Hello everyone. Little ASMR. Welcome back to the Make Climate Cool Again podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Miltenberger. Here we are. I'm a sustainability consultant and we share stories with business owners and leaders that are making positive climate change. I got my iced coffee in my mason jar and my clean canteen straw because that's how we do it over here. Um, I feel like I feel like the mason jar is the symbol of the, you know, like eco friend, you know, like I'm trying to think of besides I feel like a metal straw has kind of made its way into the masses. You wouldn't automatically assume someone's kind of like a, I mean, but I guess you could say that about the mason jar, too. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is the mason jar like a, a, a homing beacon for sustainability people? We just are drawn to each other <laughs> or is it just, is it basic now? Is it chuggy now? I don't even know. I can't keep up with the kids these days. <laughs> but welcome to the podcast. Um, if you are new here, welcome. There's been a lot of uh, new listeners as of late, which is very cool, very exciting. And I think what's awesome, the more I hear from you guys and the more um, I'm talking to even guests is that they're hearing the podcast from friends, family, you guys are spreading the word. And so I just want to say thank you so much for doing that because this is a community of people that understands that sustainability is about people. And it's about understanding that we cannot solve these problems by ourselves. We understand that we're not going to be perfect while we're figuring out these solutions and that it's about doing our best. It's about doing our best. And I feel like I'm one of a handful of sustainability people that is like pushing up against my industry saying, hey, can we stop giving people anxiety about this stuff? Like it's it's very frustrating to feel like like I'm David and Goliath. Like everyone is pushing for fear-based education with sustainability and wanting to use scare tactics to get people to change. And I just don't believe in that. I don't. And I think what's great about this podcast has been finding other people that feel the same way and feel that same anxiousness that work in this field that want to make a difference and are doing their best and and, and being part of the good news. We all need good news. And that's actually, you know, I built out a, a team. I have an intern team now. They're amazing. If you've probably seen them on Instagram. And I also have another one behind the scenes, which will be hopefully doing a post on this week. Anna and Leah, they're amazing. And they're crushing it. And we put together like a good news series. Because there's just not enough good news. We need this. We need it in this industry and you know I love interviewing the guests of the podcast because it really is inspiring to hear what people are working on and they're dedicating their lives they're they're taking pay cuts they're trying new things they're volunteering they're doing some really cool stuff that I think we all could use so if you're new to the podcast, that's what you can expect. And if you're a longtime listener, thank you for being here. And just know that I'm always looking for new people and, and new stories to share. And also like how you can take this into your daily life, right? Like that's important. <laughs> you know, it's great to share stories, but also what are the takeaways? And that's really something we're focusing on season two. So I'm really excited to talk to Rasha Hassanin from Train Technologies because not only do we get into the importance of healthy buildings, you know healthy buildings is something we've talked about in the podcast before, but specifically we're going to talk about how working from home and all these changes we've experienced recently impacts our health and how we can make these changes in the most effective way possible and reduce our energy costs and understand how our homes and our energy and all this plays into like a bigger story and we're going to give you some tips and tricks specifically around you know setting up air monitoring in your home um and also how you can make sure 
that you are kind of living your best life at home while also doing it most sustainably. And then I have a really great follow-up. The next podcast, I already have it sort of scheduled out, is gonna be all about EVs and sort of this podcast translates really well into EVs because we're gonna talk about energy systems and how those all work together. Because sustainability is systems, right? We're all integrated, we all work together. So that being said, let's get into the interview with Rasha. Uh, I really had a great time chatting with her. I learned a lot as usual. I think that's what's great about podcasting, you get to learn so much. Definitely uh, hope you get some really good takeaways from this interview and action items to make changes in your own life. So I'll see you on the other side. Keep in touch on the gram, keep sharing, keep supporting the podcast. You know, make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing, getting all your friends to listen because we are all here to make climate cool again. All right, guys, stay golden. I am so excited to welcome to the virtual studio Rasha Hassanin, who is the Vice President of Innovation and Product Excellence at Train Technologies. She's helped launch the Center for Healthy and Efficient Spaces. She's been in this industry for quite a while, and I'm so excited to learn from her. Rasha, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. It is great to be here. And I'm excited to learn from you too. And you've been a longtime leader in the sustainability space when it comes to industrial buildings and spaces. I, you know, we we kind of connected because I worked for Delos, which started the Well Building Standards. So, you know, they're all about creating uh, spaces that are greener, cleaner. And that's actually where I got like really my career started. So I'm just excited to kind of continue this conversation um, because it's how I truly fell in love with consumers, um, behavior decisions and all that stuff. So kind of introduce yourself and talk to us more about how you got into, um, you know, this industry that you're in and, and industrial spaces. Absolutely. Um, well, Sarah, I have to say, um, I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily start in the industrial space. I was in automotive for a while. Um, when I first started my career and for a long time, I actually spent time in technology and in the digital space. And it was when I was working in Silicon Valley that I, that I really developed, um, an interest and a love for, um, for sustainability. And it became clear to me that, um, really where digital uh, technologies were going to have, again, in my opinion, the most impact on sustainability was really more um, on the on the industrial side. So, you know, consumer um, tech is really critical and it's important to sort of start the wave. But where a lot of our infrastructure um, was concerned, there was still a ton of opportunity. So that's when I actually um, started um, to started my journey with sustainability, and of course, um, like any good um, engineer, when you when you want to learn something, you you go get another degree. So I started a, a doctorate, really focused on sustainability. And at the t- at the time, I was really interested in um, the supply side of sustainability. So uh, fuel supply, alternative fuels, how to make even fossils more sustainable than they are now. Um, and that was when I um, um, made my shift actually from um, from di- sort of a purely digital uh, focus into a more um, industrial uh, space. At the time I worked for General Electric, um, I was focused on sustainability in oil and gas processes, uh, ironically enough, and, and in power, uh, power systems and power grids. And um, it was when I was looking at sustainable power systems that I was really, um, that I was approached by train and we started to have this, this conversation about um, what, what we call the demand side of sustainability. So, you know, the, the, the demand for power, the demand for use of fossils and its impact on climate. And so they convinced me that there was a much bigger opportunity if I could somehow impact consumer demand for energy and consumer demand for, for fossils, um, that I would, that there would be a, a much bigger impact and, and, uh, lo and behold, here I am. And it, ha- and, and, and it, and it's definitely been true. Um, I would say as I've started to personally 
you know, look into the impact we could have as train on climate. It's, it's so big and it's so much bigger than I ever, I ever dreamed when I was on the supply side. So, so that's kind of how I landed here. I love it. And and I think what you're, what you're involved in right now is probably one of the most controversial is not really the word, but just like the biggest, like hot topic issue right now in terms of, we kind of have an energy crisis in terms Mm -hmm. of the infrastructure and like, there's just not enough supply to meet the consumer demand that you're talking about. And how can we become more efficient in everything that we do? I think something that I've always even grown up with and and my dad was in supply chains, like how do we do just things more efficiently? Yeah. And I think if we all just started thinking more of that way, not only in our home lives, but in our business lives, like it would be a lot better even for the grid. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And and we think about um, sustainability in a number of different ways. Energy efficiency is absolutely at the core of of how we how we think about um, the built environment. The the irony about all of this is, you know, we we talk about you know the the minimum energy footprint of let's call it um, you know uh, a climate controlled environment is no climate control. But we know that, you know, if you're not within a certain temperature range from a thermal comfort perspective, if the air quality you breathe isn't um, isn't high enough, if the lighting isn't adequate or appropriate, um, you're not going to be healthy. And so on the one hand, you know, we have to have a built environment. It's what makes sort of our civilization thrive. Um, But at the same time, how do you create that built environment in a way that is sustainable. And that's really the journey we're on. The first thing you think about is how do I make everything more energy efficient? So let me start with the most energy efficient products. How do I then optimize products working together in a system and and make that whole system more energy efficient? And then how do I how does that system fit into the broader city system or the system of systems? And how do I optimize that? So there's definitely these layers of energy efficiency that we think about, but there's other pathways as well. Today, traditional um, cooling systems rely on, on refrigerants and, and refrigerants are, are if, you, if you look at Project Drawdown or some of, some of these publications, you see that these uh, refrigerants with high global warming potential work really, really well to cool very efficiently. But if you get any leak, um, it the the global warming potential of a refrigerant is much, much higher than that of traditional carbon dioxide. And so how do we get those efficiencies with with refrigerants that have less of an of a direct impact on the atmosphere? Can we use um, n- different cycles? So we use what we call a vapor compression cycle for refer for uh, for refrigeration or air conditioning can we use different techniques that don't have these impacts? So that's another way to think about it. Uh, the, the third way we think about it is, can we, just like with the transportation industry, can we eliminate these distributed sources of, of carbon dioxide or, or um, you know, global warming gases, right? Whether it's carbon dioxide or, or methane or, or refrigerants or, or whatever, and, and make them more centralized um, and, and, and connect more things to the grid and then very much focus on decarbonizing the grid in these central spaces. And so the electrification of heat, the electrification of transportation, you're seeing electric vehicles um, in the consumer space, but really a whole lot of, of, um, of emissions happen in you know, commercial driving, right? When you're, when you're transporting food, when you're transporting pharmaceuticals. So that's, those are those elements that can come together to really bend the curve on sustainability in the built environment. I have always felt that sustainability is about systems thinking Mm -hmm. and it it can take a while to understand. And I think that's sometimes why it's overwhelming because, okay, if you just look at yep. one small thing, you you can't just pinpoint problems. You have to look at it in a systems oriented way because there's a domino effect. Uh, I mean, it's just everything has a cause and effect. It's really hard to grasp climate change because there's so many 
elements in this system that are hard to kind of put it into one small box of how yes. I can make a difference. That, that's, so, that's right. Right. And, and I think what's amazing about what you're doing, and I want to get into the center for healthy and efficient spaces in a second is that I think the more we bring this information into our homes and into our buildings and our spaces, I think it's easier for people to grasp because they understand like how this affects me. And then it's easier to have a conversation about how it, it has this impact. And this is why we're doing it because there's a greater problem with yes. the amount of energy available for buildings, especially in cities, especially when it's 105 degrees across the country, everyone's right. running air conditioning. Right. We don't have unlimited energy right now. <laughs> Well, and that's, that's exactly right. And so if you think about the, the cycle of, of global warming, specifically as it relates to sort of personal comfort, right? Um, so it's 105 degrees. It's every year is the hottest year in, in recorded history. And then until it's the next year, and then that's the hottest year. And so the hotter it is, the more air, the more you have to condition the air. And the more you condition the air, the more you can, fuel you consume, the hotter you make it. And so it's this sort of vicious cycle. And so what our goal with um, with with what we're doing at, at Train Technologies is um, is we really need to bend the curve on that cycle where we're starting to provide the level of, of thermal comfort and, and air quality and in general indoor environmental quality that is are needed for for people to to really thrive. Um, while uh, not uh, exacerbating uh, the big issue. And, and that happens in your home. That happens um, when you go to work in your, in your offices, where you're, where you're shopping uh, for commercial buildings, where your kids go to school, where you may be going to school, right? And even if you, um, in a large urban, urban city, are taking the bus or taking public transit, those spaces are all conditioned spaces. And so, what we do is so far reaching that, you know, every incremental little bit helps because you multiply it by all of those spaces that we impact. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, you know, we're, we're air conditioning earlier in the year now, as it gets hotter, faster, as well as later in the fall, because it stays hot. But I think, you know, I am really excited about the initiative that you're leading at TRAIN, which is, you know, really a result of COVID, and that is the Center for Healthy and Efficient Spaces. And I yeah. think that's great for everyone to really learn more about what, what this is. And I, I would love for you to share the goals that CHES hopes to achieve and how sure. really make us more resilient in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I would say... Uh, the, the Center for Healthy and Efficient Spaces was really born out of, a I would say, a, a need to, to bring together practices within the company that were already sort of in the works, but that didn't really have a priority with our customers pre-pandemic. Um, indoor, indoor environmental quality has been a cornerstone of what we've done uh, for, for many years, whether it's indoor air quality, we have a massive lighting business uh, within within uh, train technologies. Thermal comfort is really our bread and butter, and, and we spend actually quite a bit of time, at least my team on the innovation side, thinking about acoustics, both ambient noise in in urban settings, um, as well as um, indoor noise. But it's really been in pockets across the organization, and and the market was not really super focused pre-pandemic. The market. Is, is sort of hyper aware of the energy intensity of, um, of the built environment, including um, HVAC and refrigeration systems. What the pandemic did for us um, and did to us was it, be, made it made us sort of hyper aware of the impact of those environments, those environments can have on our health. And so um, when the pandemic hit, it became clear that there was sort of a push to, you know, to to do those things that were going to create um, these these environments that were going to be quote unquote guaranteed safe. Although nothing is guaranteed um, when it comes to the the changes in a, in a space. Um, and so what we saw were 
um, leaning very much on on traditional sort of tried and true approaches, which which result in very, very high energy consumption. So although buildings are sort of not as occupied as they were, um, these sort of changes that people are recommending, whether it's increased ventilation or um, or more effective filters, all of these result in energy consumption. And in some, some of the spaces we saw that were highly occupied, schools, hospitals, um, you know, uh, a lot of these businesses that were deemed um, um, critical infrastructure, they saw energy um, to energy increases of 30 to 40%. And what this highlighted for us was the need for a couple of things. One is we needed to really understand the impact of high quality indoor environments and energy efficiency together. One can't be at the expense of the other. The second was it highlighted the need for standards and policy that govern both energy efficiency and high, and indoor environmental quality. And the third was that we needed innovation. It became very, very clear that we needed an environment that facilitated innovation in the space and that that innovation has to um, take into account not just energy efficiency and not just indoor environmental quality, but those things combined and to come up with solutions that allow you to, to do those things. And so the Center for Healthy and Efficient Spaces was established really um, middle of last year to galvanize the organization around the combination of both sustainability and indoor environmental quality focused on innovation, um, external collaboration and collaboration across the organization, um, and uh, really the, the establishment and influence of emerging, emerging policy and standards to ensure that indoor environmental quality and sustainability were taken equally as seriously as we're coming out of the pandemic. Now, I have a question because you mentioned it briefly before was, you know, I don't actually know what has been the energy impact in terms of uh, like COVID specifically with more people working from home, yeah. um, people out of the office, but like some of these office buildings are still running almost mm -hmm. like they're fully, you know, like no, there isn't. What has been the impact in the past year in mm -hmm. terms of energy with everyone, you know, kind of all over the place? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really good question. And I'm not sure that we have the answer to that yet. And let me tell you why. Um, typically the residential market, right. And the energy impact of sort of the residential portion of the built environment and the commercial portion of the built environment are typically measured completely separately. And so, um, for example, actually commercial buildings did modify their energy use as they became, um, as people worked more from home. And so we saw a positive impact from a climate perspective. Um, and an energy consumption perspective um, from the commercial space because people weren't in buildings. So a lot of the, the facilities managers, building owners, et cetera, modified their practices so that they weren't consuming as much energy. That is pretty common. It's pretty typical, especially since a lot of businesses um, were impacting and impacted by the pandemic as well. So if you're not making money, they're looking for ways to cut costs and that's pretty common. What is not easy to measure is now the impact in the residential space. And so I have not, I think we're still learning what that impact has been um, over, over, the past, um, over the past year, but also we're also learning what it's going to be as the future of work shifts. And as more and more companies begin to embrace more remote and hybrid work, I think those two um, elements of the built environment that have historically been a little separate from each other in terms of the um, in in terms of how they're measured and 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 the the standards that govern them are going to get closer and closer together. And that's not just from an HVAC perspective. I think companies are struggling with that in general. Um, a, a really good example is you know in um, environmental health and safety, right? Um, in in large companies a lot of um, things around ergonomics and the work environment are, are managed closely in commercial spaces, right? As people have worked from home, there have been all of these questions about, okay, so if I do go to a remote or a hybrid work environment, do I need to 
create a stipend for people to set up the right ergonomic set um, desks um, and 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 work equipment at home to ensure their health and safety isn't compromised by them working at home? Or am I leaving that up to the consumer? Those are still open questions. Companies that are still are still wrestling with what that balance looks like for them. And I don't think this is any different. And so I will I will tell you what what we've seen from our customers, um, from our direct customers, we've seen a lot of people investing more in sort of home systems and, and home offices to facilitate the work from home, the resulting sort of consumption of energy, I would expect to follow. Um, and we've seen um, on, on the commercial side, um, our customers modifying how they manage their buildings to accommodate this you know, lower occupancy um, um, level that we've seen over the past year. But a lot of, a lot of companies are still wrestling with what's that going to look like long term and, and how work is going to evolve based on what we learned in the pandemic. That's really interesting because um, I'm moving around our agenda for a bit because, you know, my, like, I'll give you an example of my dad. He is now working from home for his company. They have basically moved to fully remote. They will be probably like going into the office maybe once a week or something along those lines, but I'm expecting uh, everyone to kind of work from home. And he had set up his office in the finished basement of my parents' house. So he yeah. has space and he's a loud talker. We're both loud talkers. And, uh, <laughs> and my mom was like, you gotta go down there. But what was interesting is he started getting some headaches. He started having yeah. some issues and he decided, you know, I don't know. I don't know how he even thought of it. He was like, I think I need to put like a radon, you know, little measuring, uh, thing down here. And so he started checking the radon levels and like, wow, this is actually like kind of high. Maybe we should be we have to put in a radon monitoring system right to the house. And so that ended up being like a relatively expensive investment. I think a lot of houses in my parents' area have them now. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that something like an EHS team or a company would consider investing in? Because it's if they're working from home, they're not normally home all the time. We're not normally home all day. That's right. If we're so and now it's like there's this so like this question of how do we create healthy spaces for everyone? What's, what are the benefits? What are we responsible for? It's, it's, that's very complex. Absolutely. And, um, and it's not just that, right? Like if, if you have a, a basement home office, a lot of times you worry about dampness and humidity, right? And what does that mean in terms of things like mold? Um, if it's once in a while, it's not the same as if you're exposed to it all the time. Um, in addition to that, right, there there is something to be said for lighting and visual comfort and being able to see um, out a window. Or, and so where you work matters. And companies are absolutely wrestling with what do I then support at home for home workers? And how do I carve that out from the rest of the home, right? Like a radon monitoring system, that's monitoring the whole house, Right. But in order for him to work, you know, in the basement effectively, he needed that, right? And he need, he probably, if, they're, if they are high, he probably needs some sort of mitigation approach. And so that's exactly the type of, of, of issue I think companies are starting to wrestle with and uncover as we're starting to see this again. When I was working from home a day a week, it was no big deal, right? When I only worked from home when I needed to, it was not a big deal. But now if the exception is going to be going into the office... We want to make sure that employees are healthy when they're working from home, because the last thing you want is an increased number and an increased number of sick days as a result of that, not not a decreased number. So that's exactly, you know, that's exactly the right um, the right way to think about it. I'll give you a similar example. Uh, When I started working from home, I had um, actually my, my parents live with me and then my my brother and his family. Um, had moved in with us. And so I had always had a separate home office. And when I, when we all had to start working from home, we had to change things around. So now every person has a little office in their room where they also sleep. Well, the, the lighting and the air quality and the temperature of that you need to have a relaxing sleep 
is different from what you need to be productive. And now these, my, our rooms are having to function from, have to shift from being, um, these, you know, these homes that were, that were set up for tranquility with lower light and no overhead lights and just some mood lighting. And maybe you have a TV for entertainment and then you cooked and that was all you did. In fact, most of people's time was spent sleeping. And so your home was, has been built to support relaxation, right? Now this same space has to be modified to support productivity and learning and relaxation. And so in my room, for example, I have a set of lights that are, you know, high temperature white lights, which are, which are fantastic for productivity. And then I've got a ceiling fan that's got sort of middle of the road temperature lights that are a little more soft for when I'm kind of watching TV. And then I have lamps that have very low light for just before I sleep. And I sort of shift between the three throughout my day. Otherwise I had noticed my sleep patterns were impacted and I wasn't very productive when I started working. And so all of these things have to be taken into account. And we're starting to see people make decisions based on that. Um, We have someone at work who lives in a relatively um, urban area and she has a piece of land that, um, that is large for her area, but um, she was looking to sell her home and she had all of these, um, all of these offers because people are, are mentally saying, if I go lock down again, I want to be able to put in a pool right? Like everyone's already thinking to the next (laughs) pandemic, right? Like if I got to lock down again, I am not going to be in the same situation as before. So we are all starting, whether or not we know it, the pandemic has impacted how we think about things. And we are all starting to make changes in our decisions for that. And what we want to do is make sure that those decisions are responsible and they balance having that amazing high quality indoor environment for whatever it is you want to do with that energy efficiency and sustainability focus so we don't blow our 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 desire to bring down um our carbon emissions you know i i love that you've kind of set up each room as as this multifunctional space and you've also adapted these rooms so that they are better for all these ranges of activities that we now are forced to to accommodate and and i guess i I would love to be able for listeners to have like real, a real takeaway in terms of what are the things that we really need in our spaces that would make them the best they can be. Do we need, you know, a bunch of us got pets. I got two cats. Should I have an air purifier? How should I be testing like certain levels of, you know, in my water, in my air, what are those things? Like, is there a checklist that I can say, okay, did that, did that, (laughs) got that. Now I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah, look, I would say there's a couple of things for sure. Um, the the con the there's a few things you can start with. Um, there are a, a number of um of high quality, um sort of medium, I would call it medium cost. Although right now it's low cost. If I look at Nest Therm, I was like, I used to think that thermostats were cheap until I saw the most recent connected thermostats. But so I would say these air quality monitors are really reasonable um, from a price perspective. Um, they are good enough quality for a home, absolutely. Um, and you and they will tell you what issues you're having. They will tell you what issues you're having over, um, over a long period of, of time. But for sure, start there and start to think about your environment in a way, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not impacting you, right? So think about programmable thermostats that have, um, that have sort of meet lower temperatures during the day, slightly higher temperatures in, at night to facilitate um, to facilitate uh, sleep. Think about having, um, I know that sort of circadian rhythm lighting is, is a little bit expensive, but you can get dimmable lights and you can get um, LED lights that have different temperatures. Now you've probably seen them daylight versus soft light versus um, flame-like light. And think about what light you're using when. Um, Think about air circulation. Fans are a really great way to circulate air without um, necessarily releasing conditioned air. Um, Think about things like energy recovery ventilators or ventilators for your home. Um, Most 
most ducted systems rely on you opening a window to ventilate. And we all know, or leakage in the construction, although houses are becoming tighter, uh, house envelopes are becoming tighter. Um, think about deliberately mechanically ventilating with an energy recovery ventilator. Think about humidity management. Um, you can get things like whole home dehumidifiers um, that that manage your humidity. I have um, someone on my team just um, re renovated, um, did a whole new HVAC system and they put in a humidity management system. And, and, and he was telling me, you know, he was keeping his house at like, they're in South Carolina at um, 68 degrees uh, just because of the humidity issues. When he put in this humidity management system, he's now able to put his house at, at sort of a 72 to 73, sometimes even 75 degrees. That difference could result in hundreds of dollars of savings and obviously a reduction of energy intensity of his, of his whole system just by managing humidity. It's going to be very different depending on where you're at. Definitely think about when you think about air quality, think about bringing in a professional to help. But there are small things you can do. If you do have pets, think about um, a purifier, preferably something whole home, because that way you're not moving it from room to room. If you have a home health situation, if you're if you have a, a, a child who suffers from asthma or if you've got or you're, if you're like me in a multi-generational home, you can have things that are room specific um, to to manage um, air quality. Um, in a specific in a specific room, um, I can't speak as much to water quality. I will tell you, I do have a water purification system um, th that helps a lot. Again, it's 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 for 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 my parents, but um, but a little bit of reading gets you a long way, and it helps you to think more holistically about the environment that you're in. And I think that's the most important thing is um, think about the the environment you're in holistically, think about lighting, think about air, think about, are you too cold, right? Can you invest in some, um, into, in, into a smarter HVAC system? Um, are you, um, and think about how that makes you feel. A lot of times it's just like your dad. We, we realize things when we have a problem. I'll tell you when I switched to all the light bulbs in the house, it was because my brother's kids who were, who were living with us, were having a hard time going to sleep. And it was because we had switched out their lighting to white light so that they could concentrate better um, on schoolwork, but there wasn't an intermediary from the, for when they were ready to go home. So we went for very, very bright white lights to nothing. And we were expecting them to turn off just like that. Of course, they wanted to stay up. So when we changed the lights, they were, they were all up in arms about it. But, but it made a significant difference in, in their ability to sleep earlier and get up earlier for, um, for school. And so um, a lot of times, if your gut's telling you something's off, go follow it. But a little, like I said, a little bit of lead, read, reading and some, some tweaks could go a long way um, within your home. But certainly, if you are looking to make a big investment to replace an HVAC system, ask about what else you could do to improve your air quality and look at how big a, a delta it will be. I guarantee you over time, it will save you both health-wise money and, and electricity-wise money. These are all really good points. And I know for us, um, I actually was just helping a client uh, put in, you know, get Get just getting their ideas around an indoor air quality monitor. We just got, I don't know if you've heard of the Uhu smart. The Uhu, yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we just got one of those. I'm like, I want one of these for my house because I yeah. think what's cool is you can actually see like the data over time. Mm -hmm. And one thing I like to do is, you know, if I were, if I had an air purifier in one room and the tracker in another or the monitor in another room, and you actually can turn those on, you can actually see how it's affecting your air. I mean, that's, what's great about it. Data. Always absolutely. Is, gives you transparency. So a absolutely. Um, now I have both. Um, so we, we carry the, the aware device, which is very similar to the, to the you who I, I in fact have both because mm -hmm. we were evaluating all different kinds of, of air quality monitors when right at the beginning of the pandemic, what it is interesting is before you hit in your air purifier, just monitor kind of in the back of your head, monitor what you're doing and how the numbers change. I will tell you, I notice behaviors that I'm like, huh. So like when I, for example, I use a lot of hair products. When I blow dry my hair, my, like my air quality 
goes to hell. <laughs> it's really bad. And I realized is because a lot of these things were vaporizing and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, in my case, turn off the AC, open, open a window when I do this, but things like cooking, right. Things like spraying, um, ironically spraying disinfectants can impact your air quality. So it improves your surface quality, but it has an impact on air quality. So you can do that and then you can, you can modify behaviors and then you can put in air quality you can put in um, air purifiers where you have real issues, where you have real systemic issues, where modifying your behavior is not an option, right? And we have seen this be incredibly effective where we've put the air quality monitor and the air purifier in the same room and we see the base levels go down. Even when you're doing some of these things that impact air quality, it immediately goes back to, um, to what would be considered good air quality. So it's definitely you know, when you have the data and you have the visibility, you know how to change behavior. Absolutely. So I recommend everyone go, you can, you know, it's Amazon. Well, when this comes out, it won't be Amazon Prime Day anymore, but you know, it's easy. <laughs> you know, I don't always, I don't always encourage and you can't get the who on Amazon, but there are a lot of options out there that are not expensive that yes. you can just plug and play into your home and you can immediately start yep. tracking. How, and, and also, you know, for you were mentioning earlier, like sometimes it's really easy to get migraines, especially during allergy Abs- season, especially Absolutely. during certain times of the year. This could help you on a day-to-day uh, with, with your health and with your, you know, how you feel. And it's very, it's very, very real. So I yeah. think that it's um, absolutely great for everyone and, to know. And a lot of um, us, a lot of um, HVAC vendors, us included are integrating some of these monitors with your system so that you can, when you set, when it senses something, it can either tell you and you can turn on your HVAC system. You can turn on a purifier automatically, or it can automatically do it. You can set thresholds. So there's a lot you can do even with today's technology, but it is a good investment and you will see um, a lot of um, a lot of, of difference, like I said, both in your behavior, but also in, um, in things like um, allergies. For sure, if you've got, I, I, my, my nephew's got allergies and we've noticed quite a bit that now he really only has flare up. We have, um, we have a couple of our, obviously our air purifiers in the house, but, um, but, he used to have um, episodes pretty regularly, and now he really only has um, real sort of bronchial episodes when he plays out in the yard, right? Or after we mow the mow the yard. Um, but but now, at least when he's in the house, it's a little bit better. And that's another thing I think we need to think about is you know the outside air has a huge impact on the inside air. And so simple things like making sure you're changing your filters, making sure you're getting your HVAC filters changed, especially if you're in an urban environment, makes a huge difference because they're catching a lot. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of suburban environments may have, like I said, outside of a little bit of, of pollen when you mow the grass or whatever, um, they're going to have relatively clean um, ambient air, outside air. Urban environments, man, like you guys are dealing with a lot in an urban environment. And so making oh, sure yeah. something you track as, it in, you track exactly, it in exactly. So mm-hmm. think about that and think about, you know, you know, making sure that you're catching that stuff, that you're changing your, your filters regularly. Um, and that, and that if you do need air purification, right, that it's handling the things that are are avail- that are in the air that's in your environment. That's why I say when you're thinking about, for sure, if you're thinking about doing an upgrade to your HVAC system, ask um, ask your dealer right about about air purification options because they'll be able to analyze the tech analyze the air and and recommend the right technologies for you. Um, and, and, and certainly in commercial buildings, it's okay to ask, you know, what they're doing and and what else can be done, especially if you have a lot of cases, um, of, of allergy, et cetera, when you're going to commercial buildings, commercial buildings are a little bit, a little bit more managed, um, from that perspective, but it doesn't ever hurt to ask, especially small. If you're in a, you know, if you're working in a small business, for example, um, there's a lot you can do yourself that maybe your landlord can't do, right? So um, there's a lot of options if you do a little bit of research. 
I'd love to be able to sell all of your, all of your, all of your listeners on something, but they can do research just as well themselves and, and make choices. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm sure there's people like, well, Sarah, you're asking me to buy all these things and you know, it is for your health. And I think that's always important. Ultimately like our health first sometimes, um, or really all the time. If we cannot go out and save the world, if we're not functioning to the best of our ability. Well, Uh, exactly. (laughs) And a lot of these technologies do save you money and energy. A lot of them do if you apply them the right way. So it's not just that absolutely your health first. But a lot of these technologies, ha- a lot of these technologies do have the added benefit of saving you money. So it's not necessarily either or. Yeah, I mean, you can. I was actually looking at an air conditioner that also has an air purification system in it. There's like a lot of times you can find things too that are super versatile that have a lot of these elements to it that you're that you're looking for. So exactly. But I think you know it's something that is on our minds, right? You know, at least for me, I'm always like, okay, what am I consuming? And, you know, someone like yourself, who's been, you know, we talk about energy efficiency and you just mentioned a bunch of different things that you integrated into your own home. I always like to ask like my guests, because even though we work in sustainability, we live it, we breathe it, you quite literally, um, you know, we always, we can't do everything perfectly. We can right. know the science, we can read, draw down 20 times, but right. not function. We can't be perfect. And so I, I always like to push this message that even though we're in it and doing it and we're professionals, we mess up all the time, every day, probably. And so my question is, you know, in this space where we are leaders, you know, what makes you feel like a sustainability hypocrite a little bit when it comes to sustainability, uh, at home or in your life? Um, look, none of us is, is perfect, right? Like I, I've got, um, you know, you try and do the right thing. Um, but look, I, um, for example, I, I compost food at home, right. But my composter has been broken for months (laughs) and have I gotten a new one? Not yet. It's very expensive and I haven't been able to fix it. I feel bad. The problem is too, when you're in sustainability, you feel like really good. I feel bad every time I throw food out. Yep. Um, but it's like, and then my, my composter composter, my garden waste composter, um, is, is slower than usual, right? Technically I should probably get another one, but no, I feel really bad throwing yard waste out. So look, you're not, no, one's going to be perfect all the time, but you don't have to be right. If everyone does, um, a little bit, you get, you get there, right? Like I, I will tell you, I have one, one vehicle. It's an, one, one electric vehicle and one gasoline vehicle. And my gasoline vehicle is a, it's an urban assault vehicle, right? But it's what I need to move, to move my family around. Um, I am looking at getting a hybrid urban assault vehicle, but it's not going to be that much better. Um, but look, right. none of us is right. perfect, right? None of us is perfect. Um, but, um, but I will say that, um, even when I made the choice to go to, for example, kitchen composting, man, my, it was like, it's going to smell bad and it's going to do this. And it's going to, it's like the whole family had an opinion. I'm like, no, no, how about this? We're going to put it outside and (laughs) it's on me to change all the filters. So, um, like it's not easy, but at the end of the day, every, I think every little bit matters. One of the things during my PhD that became abundantly clear. And in fact, it was really interesting in my, in my, uh, defense and my dissertation defense, one of my, um, examiners, uh, one of my, one of the people on my, on my, on my, um, on my committee asked me, they're like, so what is the carbon price? And I'm like, no, there is the whole purpose, the whole point, my big epiphany out of my like six year PhD is, there is no one price and there is no silver bullet. It's, it's, this is better than the one before it. And this is better than the one before that. And if we can get something that's a stepwise improvement, that's great. But until then we have to make little, little changes because it's the little changes that got us here. It's the little changes for the worst that got us here. We have to start making little changes for the better. In addition to the big sweeping gestures. I, I could not agree more because I think, you know, as you said, right, even throwing out a little bit of food waste, just like you feel guilty and you can kind of, I know, I think there are a lot of people in our industry that kind of bully themselves a little bit when they don't do things perfectly and right, right. And they buy a iced coffee and they have the plastic and, 
And I think, and you know, luckily Starbucks, we can bring our cups tomorrow, actually, <laughs> yes. 22nd of June. Um, but I would say, you know, exactly what you said, if we are not educating ourselves and becoming aware of everything right now, as you know, we, as it comes to us, right. we're not going to be able to in, innovate for tomorrow, right? Like we, we couldn't have known everything a couple of years ago because then we would have already fixed it. But right. we're, we're, it's all developing as we go and, and we're getting better as we go. And I think we can't lose sight of the fact that we're, we're getting better all the time, even though it seems like super slow. Yeah, that's progress exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's why I think um, it's going to be a combination of, you know, companies making big, bold choices, as well as individuals making smaller, bold choices that are going to get us there. We can't do one without the other. We need the big, bold innovation and improvements. And we also need everybody to do, you know, their part. And, um, and then to, so to me, anything that makes sense, that's easy, go do that. Then try something a little harder and something a little harder until you, you know, until, until you're, you're, um, till we get there. That's, that's really the best we can do. And, and then the same time we got to, we all have to be working towards the bigger, bolder choices. I love it. Rasha, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing what you're working on. I know we didn't get to every single question on the agenda, but we'll have to bring you back sometime because there's Sounds a lot good. to learn uh, in this space. There's a lot going on. Sounds good. And I, I loved being on here. So anytime, anytime you need me back, that would be awesome. Hopefully your, um, your listeners enjoy, enjoyed the conversation and, um, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. So hopefully we, uh, we hit, we hit the key points that people want to hear about. Yeah. And we're and definitely, I'm sure everyone are, is super appreciative to now be able to look into how to make their own spaces healthier and more efficient for the future as we came from home more and more. So thank you so much again. And, uh, I learned so much and I, uh, excited to see where the CHES goes from here. Thank you. Thank you so much. 